for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Glenn Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Amen. Well, this has been something, this message today is about Israel. And the Lord put it on my heart strongly a few weeks ago that so much of what we see now, you can't turn on the news, you can't get on some news web stream or anything without hearing something about Israel. And there's a lot of turmoil happening in the world today, and there's a lot of confusion. I'm not going to be political today, I'm going to be biblical because when we see the thing, when we see the truth about Israel and about terrorism, about the, those who oppose Israel from Scripture, we won't be so confused. I mean, some some of my confusion is why could why would they do that when I watch watch it on the news? But but then I quickly go, oh wait, the Bible showed predicted that. The Bible said that would happen, and so take these notes with you. And we're not going to obviously go through all of them today, but um, take them and, uh, and go back to them. Have them by your uh, laptop or your screen or whatever when you're checking the news. It, it'll help you to figure things out better. So um, back in 2013, uh, the elders this church blessed me and Suzanne to be able to go to Israel. And uh, we went in the old city of Jerusalem. I don't know if you can show that T-shirt up there, but here's the actual T-shirt. Oh, yeah, there it is. I bought this in the old city of Jerusalem as I thought it was clever. And then I realized how true it was. I'm going to read it here. I don't know if you can. Yeah, it's kind of not that big. But it says, uh, civilizations, nations, and empires that have tried to destroy the Jewish people. Then it lists all these empires Ancient Egypt, gone, like, you know, gone. Uh, Philistines, gone. Assyrian Empire, gone. Babylonian Empire, gone. Persian Empire, gone. Greek Empire, gone. Roman Empire, gone. Byzantine Empire, gone. Crusaders, gone. Spanish Empire, gone. Nazi Germany, gone. Uh, Soviet Union, gone. Now, it didn't add Great Britain, but that happened. 1948, after Israel became a nation, Great Britain, the the British Empire, because they were not fully engaged in helping Israel out. We'll just stop right there at that. And then it says, Iran, question mark, question mark, question mark. And this was 10 years ago I got this shirt. Little did I know. I'll just put it right here. Donna, you can move it later. Little did I know how relevant this would be today. Because Iran is funding Hamas, or excuse me, Hamas and Hezbollah, uh, but they are are part of this whole opposing Israel. They're a part of what's what's happening. And uh, so the, the rest of the shirt says the Jewish people... The smallest nation, the smallest of nations, but with a friend in the highest of places. So be nice. Now, I thought that was cute, and that means a lot of things, but I think that's a prophetic warning. 
for the people in the world today. Be nice to the country, to the people, the nation that has the friend in the highest place. Now, I don't believe most people in America today hate Israel. Of course, there's this vocal, loud minority that spew anti-Semitic. Anti-Semitic means against Semites or against Jews. They spew anti-Semitic slogans like from the river to the sea, which is advocating the extermination of all Jewish people. Or they'll, they'll... advocate in protests and rallies and on college campuses that uh, Israel does not have a right to defend itself. Um, But I don't believe most Americans hate Israel. My sense also, I've been very encouraged the last 20 years, is that much of the church is waking up and supporting Israel. International House of Prayer has been such a key to me to instill and, and, and energize my heart to love the Jewish people and to pray for their salvation. Then there's also been um, other, other ministries, the Christians United for Israel with John Hagee, Robert Morris up in the DFW area, Gateway Church. They've given millions of dollars to help support Israel. Here in Austin, Bethel Church Austin, has, is very supportive of Israel as well as Life Austin. So I'm very, I'm very thankful for that. But my goal today is that the Lord would help us to take it up a notch, to not just be nice, but for us to commit in a fresh new way to be prayer warriors for the salvation of Jewish people to be watchmen on the wall, so to speak. If you can show this picture back in 2013 when I got this T-shirt, that's me and Suzanne uh, on the actual wall of the, uh, the, the wall there that was built later, but it's the wall of the old city of Jerusalem. And I wanted the, the guide to take a picture because that's really such a calling to me is that we be, that's literally the wall there. Uh, in the old city, that we would all be watchmen on the wall. You know what a watchman, let's just keep that picture up if you would. You're doing great. Watchmen in an old city would watch for two things. They would watch for and then impending evil, and they would, they would warn people, and then they would watch for good things coming, and they would, they would announce. They, and so as as prayer warriors, I like that words, those words, prayer warriors for Israel and for salvation of the Jewish people, we are on the wall looking and seeing impending evil and praying against it. And we're looking for the good that's to come and praying for it. Praying against the bad, praying for the good, Asking God to rend the heavens and bring a move of his spirit in the land of Israel for their protection, for their provision, for the release of the hostages that are still there, 
for and the most important for their salvation. Six and seven times here through the blood of Jesus. Isaiah 62, verse six and seven. It's in your notes there. Sorry about these lights. I could just turn it off and go with. Is everybody okay? Are y'all okay? Don't anybody go. It's not a strobe here, so. Oh, hi. The light's going on and off. Okay. You can turn it. I don't know if it will help or not. It's just some electrical thing happening right now. But anyway, uh, look at what it says. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord do not keep silent. Guess what? You in the club. You who make mention of the Lord. But I'm not Jewish. I don't, you know, I'm just a Gentile from Texas. And I said yes to Jesus. Yeah, you make mention of the Lord. God's calling you and me in a fresh new way. And hopefully my goal today is that we will get fresh insight and motivation to take our place as intercessors for Israel. Roman numeral two, I want to give you some facts. Now, this, this may help clear up uh, some things about uh, Israel from the Bible that will help us to take our place. Again, I'm not being political today. I'm being pract- bi- biblical. Paragraph eight, Israel is the name for the nation descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Later on, they were called Jews. So basically... Um, the word Jews and Israel, those words are more or less used synonymously, though they weren't always called Jews. Paragraph B, the word Israel or Israelite occurs in the Old Testament over 2,500 times. Now, in your notes, I have a mistake there. It says 1,500 times. It's actually over 2,500 times. Now, if it said the word Canada or America or Mexico or Texas, I'll go ahead and let's go. Let's go. Anybody want me to go with Texas? Yeah, I wore some boots today. If the word Texas occurred in the Bible 2,500 times, it's probably safe to say you wouldn't fully understand the Bible unless you knew something about Texas, right? I mean, if the Bible was to mention, you know, barbecue, brisket, and Fort Worth stockyards, and the Riverwalk, and Santa, you know, it would help you out. Well, the same is true with Israel. And if we are confused about Israel... We're going to add to the confusion in our lives about the Bible. The more we understand, the more we'll see uh, and understand the Bible. For example, you know the matzah cracker? I don't know if you have the picture of that. You know, you see that? Jesus took one of those at the first, at, at his, the Passover, 24, less than 24 hours before he was crucified, and he held it up and he broke it. And what did he say? This is my body, which is broken for you. Now, you might wonder, why did he take a matzah cracker and say, this is my body? Well, one of the beautiful things is that 
can you, you can't really see it, but it's, it's pierced. And the way they cook, bake it is with stripes. Jesus was pierced through on the cross. He was, was this, by his stripes, by the lashes on his back, we were healed. So he was saying, I'm illustrating by this, my body being pierced and striped. Now that helps, right? It helps us understand. And the whole Bible gets more fascinating the more we understand. So um, paragraph C, now the word Israel, boy, this is so important. The word Israel occurs 79 times in the New Testament. And not one time is that word Israel a description of the church. Not one time. Israel means Israel. So if you've ever heard anyone say, well, now that we're in the New Testament, when you see Israel, it means the church. That's not true. It's not true. God has never given up on the Jewish people. And he is going to one day regather them to the land. And there's going to be great revival in the land of Israel where the, the massive numbers of Jewish people will see that the Messiah they've been looking for has already come once and died on the cross. And they will become born again. He has, he, though he scattered them, Jesus has not, God has not given up on the Jewish people. So when it says Israel in the New Testament, it's not, you don't replace the church with Israel. It's quiet in here, but I know your process. <laughs> That's a biggie. That's a really biggie. D, paragraph D, the word Jew occurs 84 times in the Old Testament, 192 times in the New Testament. On the other hand, the word Christian, how many times in the New Testament? Three. 192, the word Jew, three times Christian. Now, that tells me we need to not overlook the importance of the Jewish people in, as New Testament Christians. Now, it's fine that we talk about Christians all the time in church because most of us, as I look around, most of us are, are not born with Jewish bloodline. Okay, so it's, it's fine to do that, but we shouldn't minimize the, the Jewish people because of, look at that, 100, 192 times. That's why for our Christmas party, we're also going to have some Hanukkah games because that's the last day of Hanukkah, which you go, well, why is that? What, what's that important? Well, believe it or not, Jesus honored the Feast of Dedication, as it was called in the New Testament. He honored it by, he came into the temple, it says, on the Feast of Dedication. So he was acknowledging, as a Jewish man, he was acknowledging that, that Hanukkah was a, a feast that the, 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 the Jews kept. So anyway, that's not that we have to do the Hanukkah thing, but we thought, you know what? If it occurs 192 times, we probably ought to not just overlook 
How many of you are with me with that? You know, don't get in your head. Are y'all turning Jewish on me? You know, I thought it was Christian. It is. But it's also understanding the Jewish roots of our faith. Amen. So Roman numeral three, there are some unique things. I want to talk really the rest of my time. Some unique things about Israel that cannot be said about any other nation. Are y'all, can y'all see your notes enough? You're good. Okay. All right. It's good. It's not flashing. So that's cool. Um, So there's no other nation. Let's look at some of these passages. Uh, Paragraph A, David says it is the only nation called out by God for redemption. First First Chronicles 17, 21, David is praying to the Lord. And look what he says about Israel. And, and who is like your people, Israel? The one nation on the earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people. To make for yourself a name by great and awesome deeds. By driving out nations from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. So God called out for redemption Israel from all the other nations. He never said that about anyone else. Paragraph B, when the Israelites were at the base of Mount Sinai, before God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, God told Moses, he said, make this proclamation. All the Israelites are down there at the base of the mountain. He says, proclaim this to them. Exodus 19, 6, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. As long as you walk in obedience to me, you are, I'm calling you forth. One day you will be walking in the fullness of that. But you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. There is no other nation that God says that about. Holy means set apart. They've been set apart. So when you're watching the news, you're like, what's all this about Israel? It's because it's God's choice of a land and a people that he's setting apart. And I'll just stop right here and say, I've learned over the years when God's talking about his, his choosing Israel and his promises to Israel, it's not that they're super like, well, why them and why not other peoples? You know, did you ever think about that? Well, here's why. God, in his master plan, he chose to operate this way. I'm going to take a people to show the rest of the world how kind I am, how merciful I am, how forgiving I am. and Because you're going to watch and track with the Jewish people how I respond and how I intervene. That's why. He's like, I want, when you look at them, don't go, why not me? Go, oh, I get to be seen that way too by him. He's kind. He's tender. He's forgiving. He doesn't, how many of you say God hadn't given up on you? Right? He's not given up on them. Though he scattered them, he will gather them. That's hope for us today. All right, I had to jump on the bunny trail there. So, um, Let's go to uh, Romans 9, paragraph C. Look at all these descriptions that are distinctive features of Israel that apply only to Israel. Paul here, this is New Testament. Paul is talking about his kinsmen. Paul was 
Jewish. So he's talking about the Israelites, Romans 9, verse 4 and 5, to whom pertain the adoption. God adopted them as a nation. No other nation did he do that. The glory, the manifest supernatural presence of God was with the nation of Israel as long as they walked in obedience to God. What filled, what lit up the Holy of Holies in the temple? The Shekinah glory of God. Then he says, to whom pertain the giving of the law. The law was given. Oh, excuse me. The covenants were all made with Israel, except those made before Israel became a nation. The giving of the law, given only to Israel. The priestly service of God given only to Israel, the promises of God given only to Israel, all the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then other patriarchs after that were in the Jewish bloodline. They were all Jewish. The Messiah came from Israel. That's the last thing there. It says, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came. Probably the most important. The Messiah came from Israel, not any other people. In Revelation 5, it's an amazing scene. And when I saw this years ago, it it basically shocked me. It's a scene in heaven that John, the apostle John, saw in which a scroll was being presented that was sealed with seven seals. And John got really upset because no one was found worthy to take the scroll and open the seals. So let's look at what it says. I'm leading up to this thing that just really shocked me. It says, John says, So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Now, I'm not going to go into detail about what that scroll is about other than to say the scroll that only the lion of the tribe of Judah was worthy to open was God's end-time battle plan for his end-time judgments to make everything prepared for the Lord to return and basically kick the enemy and all his demons off the planet. So he's, that's the end time battle plan to make the wrong things right, to make the crooked places straight. So here's here's the thing with that. I just want to point out the title. The title is, who, who, just y'all tell me, who was the lion of the tribe of Judah? He was and he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Few, back before uh, I moved to Austin to plant the church, we had some prophetic uh, back in East Texas uh, they heard at the church that where I was an elder, uh, we, I asked for a, a man named Larry Randolph. I'd prayed 
Suzanne and I prayed, if we're supposed to plant a church, speak to somebody like Larry Randolph. He's a prophetic man uh, with the, the Vineyard Churches in Bethel back in Reading years ago. I said, if we're supposed to plant a church, speak to somebody like Larry Randolph. The, the, next, the next week, Larry Randolph calls our church in East Texas and says, I'm supposed to plant a church. Now, I'd only met him one time a year before. So we're getting ready to move down here. And a lady in Gladewater, Texas, still never met was an intercessor. I've never met her. Still never met her, don't know her name, but by hand, she sewed this banner. She sewed this banner by hand, like every sequin, and she made, wanted to make sure that they gave it to me before we moved down here. Now, why is that? Just so we go, whoa. No, the Lord was saying, Glenn, you know, you've heard me do it, McFly, I want to get your attention, but I want you in River in the Hills to stand and support my people, Israel. Because Jesus wasn't just identifying himself with the Jewish people while he walked the earthly, his earthly life. Jesus was and still is the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's, what, that's his title forever. So we need to remember, everybody, that there is a lion up there, and he's a Jew. And one day, that lion is going to roar. In between now and then, we have a dear friend here that comes here named uh, Times Susan Casey. She has a ministry called Lion's Roar. So we who have Jesus in us, we, we roar, right? We roar by declaring like we did, like Tracy led us. But one day, the mother of all roars is going to, woe to the enemies of the Jewish people when the lion roars. Woe to Iran. Woe to Hamas. Woe to Hezbollah. Woe to Russia and China and, and any other nation that would oppose his people, the people of Israel. His identification with the Jewish people wasn't just temporary. It was eternal. Amen. I'll just put this over here because I used to be on a stand, but I'll just set that right there. All right. We're going to blow through some of this real quick. How are y'all doing? Are y'all good with this? Okay. A lot of scripture, but it's all going to help us. So, paragraph, uh, let's see. <laughs> okay, pro E, thank you. Probably the most important verse about the uniqueness of Israel is uh, found in John 4, 22. Jesus himself says to the Samaritan woman, he says, You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. Salvation is of the Jews. Five little words. Where did salvation come from? The Jews. We owe our spiritual blessings. We owe all our spiritual blessings 
all of our inheritance to one people, the Jewish people. No Jews, no salvation. Without Israel, this is, this is strong. Without Israel, we would have no patriarchs, no prophets, no apostles, no Bible, and no Savior. How much salvation would we have without the patriarchs, the prophets, the apostles, the Bible, and the Savior? We would do well to remember that. Let that sink in. And how can we respond? As I forgot his name now. He wrote a book called How Shall We Then Live? How, Francis Schaeffer, yeah. How shall we then live knowing that all our spiritual inheritance comes from the Jewish, from Israel and the Jewish people? Well, may I suggest that we commit to pray as watchmen on the wall. And I'm going to make it, the Lord, I felt like, just wanted to throw this in as a little practical help. <clears throat> this is, what's this first John? Am I right? I'm back to, yeah, John 4, 22. Can I suggest that you set your phone at 4.22 every day and have the alarm go off and take one minute and pray for, for their salvation. Pray for the hostages. Pray for the nation. Pray for protection. Whatever it is, pray for one to five minutes. I'm, I'm just, I'm taking myself up on that challenge. You know, why can't, the, why can't our iPhone be used for something to prompt us to pray? Amen? So I just challenge you to do that. That's one way we can respond. Because we owe them a debt of gratitude, don't we? We do. I'll answer myself. Yes, we do. <laughs> I wouldn't be here without, without this. So, amen. Another important feature, important feature that makes Israel a unique nation is their whole history is foretold in prophecy. The first three were given to Abraham. So I'm going to read them real quickly. They're in your notes. It was prophesied to Abraham they'd be enslaved in Egypt. Then they would be this is amazing. They would be delivered with wealth from Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt, but in one night, they had great wealth from the Egyptians. If you want to look that up, I didn't include that in your notes, but, it, uh, but uh, Exodus 6, chapter 6, 7, and 12, if you study it out, they gave them all wealth before they left as slaves. I mean, that's just, but it was prophesied. I mean, if I was prophesying to somebody, I wouldn't probably come up with that one. But it happened. Then, three, their possession of the land of Canaan. It came to pass. Then, then, then after that, in Deuteronomy, the rest of these, Deuteronomy and following, they, they would turn to idolatry in the promised land. That certainly happened. God would establish a center of worship in Jerusalem. That happened. The northern kingdom would be taken into captivity in Assyria. The southern kingdom would be taken into captivity in Babylon. Then eight, destruction of the first temple built by Solomon. That happened, that was predicted to happen, and it happened in 586 B.C. 
Then the return of a remnant from Babylon. That happened. These were all predicted, prophesied. Then the destruction of the second temple from the time of Jesus, where Jesus walked into that temple, A.D. 70, is when that happened, after the Lord was, was uh, ascended. So, then moving on, 11, they would be scattered among the Gentile nations. I didn't put all the verses in here, but if you Googled with your phone those things, it would show you, it would give, give you the verses. Uh, one of the, that number 11, Leviticus 26, 33, is one verse about it. Other verses about it. Number 12, they, the 12th prophecy about this nation, they would endure persecution and oppression among the Gentiles. For sure, that has happened. 13, they would be regathered from all nations. This is happening right now. It's called making Aliyah. Now, there are three still yet unfulfilled prophecies. They haven't happened yet. But by my calculation of these 16 prophecies, the first 13 have all come to pass. That's 81%, I think. 81% have already happened. So we're not crazy to believe that if the first 13 happened, the next three are probably going to happen. Well, you're, what? No, look at it. it any, anyone who's logical, if any book predicted 13 that happened, and they said, well, there's three more, you would logically go, okay, I'm going to take that seriously. So we should take it seriously. Here are the next three. The gathering of all nations against Jerusalem in war. Are we seeing some of that right now? The supernatural revelation of Jesus the Messiah to his people. So I'm believing that's going to happen. Three, the coming of Messiah Jesus in glory and power. He's going to come in glory and power. All three are going to happen. Roman numeral three. I'll, I'll kind of land this plane quickly. Worship team, if you can come up. Maybe you just turn all those lights up. It's kind of flashing again more so. We're, we're, we're enduring it today. God's plan for the land of Israel. These are important things right here because you hear the word Palestine a lot. The word Palestine is not a biblical term for the land. The word Palestine means land of the Philistines. The Romans made, made the name Palestine to list that land of Jerusalem and around Israel. The Romans made that name up after they conquered the temple. They called it Palestine and to assert that Israel no longer had claim to the land. But that is not what the Bible says. Look at what the Bible says. It says, uh, biblically, it's called the land of Canaan in the New Testament, the land of Israel. In Matthew chapter 1 and 2, twice it's called the land of Israel, not the land of the Philistines. Palestine is not a legitimate biblical term for any of that land. So if you see protests about free Palestine, it's not in the Bible. 
Not a lot of amens, but I just, he's not, not there, okay? God's covenant with Abraham, I'll, I'll skip through that, but basically God's very, very strong in Genesis 17, how he promised in very, no uncertain terms that the land, he said, it's, it's all the land of Canaan I will give to you as an everlasting possession. So God's going to come through on that land. It's going to be, they're going to possess all of that land. See, look how emphatic his plan for the land is. Not the UN, but, but God says, it's a, I'm covenanting, I'm promising you this land. I'm commanding you this land. I'm making a covenant, an oath, a statute, and an everlasting covenant. That's how strong God is about the land. God's motivation for Israel possessing the land. If you don't understand this, I'm really glad I've got time to share this. If you don't understand God's motivation for Israel possessing the land, you will be confused. God's going to regather Israel and defeat the enemy nations for one reason. For the sake of his name. For his name, for his name's sake, God's going to deliver them. Because he attached his name to Israel. And when they went off and sinned in other nations, they defiled, they embarrassed him. They were the scorn and mock of nations. He's like, wait, for my name's sake, I'm going to regather and reclaim. That's the most, it's not all men. They were so awesome that they deserve to, he's like, no, we all mess up. But I'm going to come in and I'm going to make the land because of my name's sake. Two more things. God's motivation for Israel through, uh, even though there's immense trials, I've I've already shared that. Now, Roman numeral four, the nations will be judged Any nation that tries to partition the land. I'm going to skip down to the rest of it. Joel 3. On account of my people whom they've scattered. He's talking about uh, I I will judge those nations. It says who have divided up my land. So throughout history, any nation that's tried to partition Israel. You may hear the phrase, how many of you heard the phrase, two-state solution? Okay, that's a fancy way of saying partition the land. And God says, don't do that. You're on the wrong side of history if you do. Now finally, Satan's motivation. Let's all stand up if you would. I get perplexed sometimes, and I have people come up at the gym or other places and go, what's all this happening with hating Israel? Why is all this happening? And I say, well, it's simple if you get it. Satan is called the God of this age. And as long as Jesus is in heaven, Satan gets to be the God of this age. He gets to mess with people and mess things up and do all this stuff. He said, but as soon as Jesus comes back, 
Satan has to leave and get thrown in the lake of fire. So what's he doing? He's fueling all this hatred because Jesus said, I'm not coming back till the Jewish people welcome me back. And so he's trying to, Satan's trying to mess up the plan. Did you know in Jerusalem right now, in the old city where I was standing, that the Muslims tried to put cement to block the entrance where Jesus said he's coming back? They thought some cement blocks was going to keep <laughs> Jesus from coming back. He's trying, so it's a demonically fueled hatred against Jews. Anti-Semitism is from Satan because Satan doesn't want to get kicked off the planet. But I got news for him. Jesus is coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's not a baby in a manger anymore. He's not a broken man on the cross. He didn't stay in the grave and he's not staying in heaven forever because he's alive. He's alive and he's coming again. Thank you, Lord. Lord, to give up. Well, I want us to respond by asking the Lord to give us his heart in a greater way for Israel. Can you join me with that? I need his heart. I don't try to get something. I say, Lord, would you escort me into your heart? That banner helped me to get the heart for Israel. Two weeks ago at our Tuesday prayer, Kathy Wilson leads a great prayer meeting Tuesdays at noon. We were praying, and I saw, and I, one of my prayer requests was for little three-year-old Abigail. There she is. She was in a tunnel. Her parents were killed, I think in front of her eyes. She was in a dark tunnel for 21 days in Gaza. And she was by herself, and she was turning four. Three, she, it was her birthday. And I said, can we pray for her? While we were praying, I began to get a picture in my spirit that happens sometimes of angels coming in to that dark tunnel. Anybody, was anybody there Tuesday? We were praying, okay. You're, okay. Yeah, they were in that dark tunnel. The angels were singing over her, happy birthday. And I started weeping. And then, you know how you say, happy birthday, dear. I didn't know her name, but they said, they sang, happy birthday, dear Tichva. Happy birthday to you. Tichva is Hebrew for hope. And I, and I got this hope. That afternoon, after that Tuesday prayer, Fox News on my phone, Three-year-old, four-year-old girl is going to get released. Abigail. Then I watched a news thing, and they interviewed the, the relatives. They said, she's our hope. She's been our, that four or five times in the middle of the interview. She's the hope of the, she's been our hope. She's the hope of what, let's give God a camp. Let's clap. Thank you, God. There is hope. So, Father, we ask. Father. We ask for ways to escort our heart. My heart is now so much more engaged because of little Abigail. I ask for Tichva to be released in this room for the hope that they're going to come to you, Jesus. That they will be protected. And we take our place. I'm not asking for an altar call to come forward, but as the worship team sings, and as we close with this, 
Just ask God to give you a greater heart. And if it helps you to set your phone for 422, I'm, I'm redeeming that iPhone for, for prayer. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.